What, what should we share about on this grand opening Sunday? I just felt compelled to share about something that honestly a lot of you in this room might go, oh really? Like I already know all about that. Like it's the most familiar subject in the world for a lot of you in this room. For some of you in this room, maybe it'll be foreign or maybe the way that we approach it will be a little bit different and cause some light bulbs to come on for you. But I want to talk about God's grace this morning. That on this grand opening Sunday, that there is something grand about the grace of God. And this is especially so important when you look at the world that we live in. Because we live in a world where from the earliest age we were taught that if you want anything good in life, man, you've got to work to make it happen, right? How many of you heard that growing up? By, by a coach or by a parent or by an uncle, someone that you look, man, if you want anything good in life, you've got to work to make it happen. You know what? This is so true in so many areas of our lives, in our finances, kids in sports, some of you in school, in the workplace. Man, that is absolutely true. If you want something good, no one else is going to do it for you. You've got to make it happen. You've got to make it work. But can I tell you, there's one area in life where this doesn't work. And that's in our relationship with God. See, God doesn't play by those rules. God plays by a totally different standard. And this messes us up because we just take this kind of ingrained idea into our relationship with God and we just figure, well, if I could just do enough good things for God, then God will be pleased with me. In fact, you've probably heard variations of this, or maybe you've even communicated variations of this. When, when I sit down with people and I haven't met them before, you know, one of the questions I'll ask, you know, back in the day when, when uh, well, I know they've opened up, but it's harder still to go to restaurants, right? I mean, it seems like you, you go in and, oh, they're closed today, they're short-staffed, you know, whatever, and God bless those in the service industry. They're trying the hardest, but man, I'd sit across the table from somebody, and in the course of the conversation, I, I try to bring up heaven. To say, hey, do you know that if you die, do you know if you'd go to heaven? And usually people will say, interestingly, most people will say, yeah, I think I'm going to go to heaven when I die. And I'll say, oh, man, that's awesome. Like, can, can you help me understand, like, why do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? And so many people, even people who have attended evangelical churches, even people who have attended Journey Church, so many people, their response, I know that I'll go to heaven when I die because I've been a pretty good person. I've been a pretty good person. And can I tell you, you know, it doesn't work with God. Because when it comes to God, how good is good enough? We're talking about a God who is superior. He is holy, holy, holy. The Bible says that he's not just holy, he's holy, 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 right? Like he's perfectly holy. Holy means that he's absolutely set apart. Like God is perfect in every way. He is moral in every way that you could possibly conceive. God is perfect. And so how good is good enough? How good do you have to be to accomplish the morality that God has set for us? It's a losing battle. In fact, 700 years before Jesus was born, the ancient prophet, one of the greatest prophets that Israel has ever seen, Isaiah, he said this, the prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 64, verse 6. He says, we are all infected and impure with sin. What's so stark about that statement is he includes himself. Isaiah was a pretty righteous guy. When you look at the things that he did for God, Isaiah was absolutely incredible in his morality. And yet he says, not you are all infected. He says, what? We are all infected and impure with sin. He goes on, he says, when we display our righteous deeds. In other words, when we go, hey, look, I did something good today. 
We all have those moments, right? He says, when we display our righteous deeds, here's the truth of the matter, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like, we're so proud of what we've done. And God looks at it and he goes, it's still not to my standard. It's not God being mean. And it's not God being OCD or perfect, like, like a perfectionist. It's just God has a perfect standard. And he looks at our feeble attempts and he goes, I, I wish, but it just doesn't measure up. He says, Isaiah says this, he says, like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Oh, some of you right now going to chant, this is not a grand opening sermon, right? Like, this isn't helpful for me. Like, you're really making me feel bad. See, all of our best efforts in the eyes of God are still worthless. But you know what? It's liberating in a sense as well. What Isaiah is saying can actually be helpful because we go, well, all of my attempts failed. There's got to be another way because I know that God is good. I know that God loves me. I know he created me. I know that he put his breath inside of me. So there's got to be a way that I can know him the way that he created me and intended for me to know him. And so if it's not through my efforts, if it's not through my works, if it's not through church attendance or putting money in the offering or doing good deeds or walking an old lady across the street, if it's not through those things, like there's got to be another way because God is too good, right? And I can tell you the good news this morning. In fact, it's grand news this morning is that God has grace available for us. Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 2, and if you've been around church world, you've heard this passage so many times, but I want us to look at this one more time. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this. He says, for it is by, and what's the word up there? For it is by grace that you have been, what's the word? Saved. Saved. Saved from what? Saved from my sin problem rescued from the, the fact that, that I've sinned against God and I've messed up and there, now there's this chasm that exists between me and God. Like, I need to be rescued. I need to be saved. And Paul says, here's the good news. You can be rescued and you can be saved, but it's only through one means, grace. For it is by grace that you have been saved. And then just to clarify, because he knows how we are, he could look into the future and see the American work ethic that we all strive for, right? Like, I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps, right? He goes and he says, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. You can't make this happen. You can't do enough good things to earn the grace of God. In fact, he says, it is a gift of God and not by works so that no one can boast. I can't go around going, man, I am the stuff. Man, look at how much better I live than Tim Willis. Like, I am, I am the man, right? Like, I've been living pretty good. I think, I, no, it's by grace that you have been saved, through the agency of faith. And faith is trust, it's reliance, it's dependency upon God. It's not through, Paul is so clear that it's not because of our deeds, it's not because of our works that we're saved. Some of you have been trying really hard. You've been working up a sweat trying to climb some kind of spiritual ladder to God. Can I tell you, you don't have to do that anymore. You can put your trust in the grace of God. It is by grace that you have been saved. In fact, on this grand opening Sunday, I would say that God's grace is pretty grand. It's pretty awesome. Now, 
There's a couple problems, though, as I talk about grace. In fact, I, I well understand that some of you in this room right about now are going, okay, we've sung about grace. Ken, you're preaching about grace. You just read us a verse about grace. What is grace? <laughs> what is grace? What does it mean when we talk about grace? And I think really to understand what grace is, we actually have to understand several other concepts as well. We have to understand justice. We have to, we have to understand mercy. And then we can begin to understand grace. Now, if you've been around Journey a long time ago, I gave you this analogy, but I think it's so important. And so if you know it, don't, don't let anybody in on the fact that you know it. But here's the best way to understand grace for me. This helped me so much years ago. I want you to imagine it's, it's yesterday. It's Saturday, and you're, you're out in front of your house, and you're doing some yard work and just kind of taking care of some things. And in the corner of your eye, he can't see you, but you can see him. A couple houses down, there's a lanky 13-year-old, uh, just kind of punk kid. He's always in trouble. You can hear the things going on between him and his dad, and there's constantly screaming, constant tension. And you see him come out of the house, and because of the history Whenever you see him out and about, you always have your eye on him. Anybody, I hope you don't know anybody like that, but maybe, maybe you've had situations like you're like, I got my eye on this kid because I don't know what's going to happen. And so as you're watching, he opens up the, the, the front door to his dad's Ford Ranger, and he climbs up into the car, and he's got keys, and he starts it up. At first you're going, well, maybe he's just starting his dad's truck, you know, for his dad. No, he closes the door, and he starts to put the car into reverse, and really crazily begins to back out of the driveway. And you're watching all this, and you're going, uh, where's my phone? You know, I got, I got to call somebody, like, really quick. Well, next year, before you can even get a phone out of your pocket, he gets back into forward, and he, he starts driving. He's lurching. The tires are squealing. And the next thing you know, he is rammed not only over, am I doing something wrong? <laughs> I've got it in there as well as I can shoved in there so hopefully don't you love can we give a hand to these guys back here who are trying to make all this sound good this this 13 year old punk kid he he mows over your mailbox mows over a bunch of your bushes and not only that the worst part is you spent like weeks earlier this summer putting up a brand new fence and he's just demolished his fence and he finally comes to a stop and he opens the door and he's just got this sheepish look on his face and in that moment, you have a decision to make. What are you going to do in this situation? Can I submit to you that there's really three options? And the third option is so insane that probably you would never even consider. But the first option would be what we would call justice. Everybody say justice. 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 You get justice because some of you are already feeling it in your mind. Justice is you punk kid. Okay, I'm calling the police. We've had issues with you before. They're going to haul your butt to juvie. I'm going to call your dad. There's going to be issues, and somebody's got to pay. Someone's going to pay for my mailbox. Someone's going to pay for these bushes, this fence. Someone's got to pay justice, right? And can I tell you, you would not be a bad person if you chose the route of justice. It would not be bad of you to say, somebody's got to pay, right? That's justice. Everybody say justice. That's the first route. Most of us, honestly, we live in a culture where most of us would say, I'm going with justice. A second option, I don't know how many people would go for this, but maybe a few. The second option would be mercy. Everybody say mercy. Mercy. Mercy is this word that we use a lot, but maybe we don't completely understand the definition. It is, it is withholding the maximum penalty. 
That's what mercy means. Mercy would be, hey, I'm not calling the police, and I understand there's major issues between you and your dad, and I mean, in the back of your mind, you're thinking there's probably even abuse in this relationship. And so, but here's the deal, like, this has got to be paid for. This has got to be taken care of. Someone's got to pay for this. And so you're going to have to work all summer. You're going to have to take care of this. Like, this has to be, there has to be restitution here, right? That would be mercy. I'm going to withhold the maximum penalty, but there's still, there's still consequences to your actions, right? Everybody understand that? Like, mercy, does that make sense to most of us in this room? So let's say, let's say that second one. The second one is mercy, right? Mercy. The third option, and this one, I'm telling you, probably no one that I can think of, Ah, okay. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, what was I talking? Ah, okay. So the second option would be I'm thinking about some justice and mercy right now. So, uh, <laughs> just joking. I love you guys. The third, the third option would be grace. Everybody say grace. grace. I'm I'm just telling you before I even say it. Some of you will. I'll be able to hear the eyes rolling in your head as you, as you hear this idea, okay? Here, here, here's the, the third option would be this, that you go over this kid and you say, listen, I'm not calling the police. I'm definitely not talking to your dad. And listen, I'll, I'll take care of everything that's just happened here. I'll pay for the mailbox. I'll take care of the bushes. I'll work another couple weeks and mend this fence. It's not about any of that. I'm interested right now in you. I'm interested in what's going on in your life. So here's the deal. Uh, I've got the favorite pizza place on uh, speed dial here. What's your favorite pizza? I'm going to have it delivered. Can we just sit in the porch? And can I just talk about what's going on in your life? Can I just talk about what's going on in your life? Because clearly some things are broken. Can I tell you, that is grace. Grace is saying, I'll pay for it. I'll take it. Now you say, Ken, why, why are you telling us this story? This is what our Heavenly Father has done for us. Justice would be, you know what? You deserve to go to hell. Justice is, you've screwed things up. You have been so self-centered. Look at the lack of generosity. Look at the destruction in your, look at how angry you get and the things that you say when you're angry. Look at, look at all these things. Justice would be God saying, I'm done with you. I'm wiping my hands. I'm walking away. That's justice. And you know what? He would not be a bad God for doing that. Mercy would be, you know, we'll figure out a way, but we still can't have a relationship. You've done enough bad things. There still needs to be restitution. There still needs to be consequences, and, and, and we'll figure some of that, and it won't be as bad as it could be, but there can't be a relationship. Grace is, I'll pay for the results of your destruction. I'll pay for the results of your self-centeredness. I'll pay. I'll take it all upon me, and what I am most interested in is I want relationship with you. I want to know you. Now you say, well, how did God do this? How did God pay for this? See, the sins of mankind are not something that God could just wave a magic wand and say, poof, all those sins are gone. You say, well, why can't he? Because there has to be consequences. This is the world. This is the way that God structured the world to be. There has to be consequences. Someone has to pay. And so who pays? God sends himself. God sends Jesus who is just as much God as God the Father and God the Spirit. And Jesus comes as this God-man, and he comes to this earth, and he walks among humanity, and he experiences the grief 
that we experience, the death of, of loved ones. And he experiences just the turmoil and the dysfunction and the brokenness of this world. He experiences all of it. He fully immerses himself in it. And then ultimately, he voluntarily lays down his life, allows himself to be horrifically tortured, brutally executed, to take upon himself the punishment that every single one of us deserves. And while he's hanging on the cross, he's saying, I'm doing this for you. I'm paying for you. I'm paying for you. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I don't think it was just about the people who had driven the nails through his palms. I think he was saying, Father, forgive Ken. Father, forgive Mike. Father, forgive Lisa. God, forgive Joel. <laughs> I wasn't meaning for that to be funny, but... <laughs> wow. <laughs> God will forgive anybody. <laughs> he loves you so much. He loves you so much. I love Psalm 103. If you've been around Journey, you know it's one of my favorite psalms. Last week, I literally quoted from Psalm 103. Psalm 103 is this classic, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And we talked about last week that, that, that David begins to list all the things that God has done for him. But way down the list, in verse 10, he says this. We'll put this up on the screen. He says this regarding God. He says, he, God, does not punish us for all our sins, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. What is that? That's grace. That's grace. God could, it's perfectly within his rights to deal with us as we deserve. That's justice. He could. But he chooses another route, the route of grace. I'd say on this grand opening Sunday, God's grace is pretty grand. It's pretty grand. So here's my question for you. Have you received the grace of God? Have you received the grace of God? I'm not asking, have you become a member of a church? I'm not asking, hey, how's your attendance record been? My question is, have you come to a place individually where you've humbled yourself and said, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you. And there's no way that I can do enough good things to repair this relationship. And so right now I receive what Jesus did for me on the cross. I receive his grace. I receive his forgiveness. Change me. Change me. Empower me to follow you, to live for you. Have you received his grace? Have you received his forgiveness? Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're going, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Maybe. See, up here we don't have a maybe. <laughs> We have a yes or no. If your answer is maybe, then this morning I would encourage you to just clear things up. Let's make it crystal clear. No room for wiggle, no room for wondering. That you can say on the same Sunday that Journey Church had their wacky grand opening Sunday that I did something incredible, life-changing, life-determining. I humbled myself and I asked Jesus to come into my life, to be the center of my life, to sit in the throne of my life, to forgive me. I received his grace. Would you close your eyes all over this room? 
If that's you, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out this morning. But if you say this morning, Ken, I don't know that I've ever actually received the grace of God. I've been, I've been spiritual. I've been religious. I've been a good person. But I've never come to the place of recognizing that I need the grace of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus. I've never asked him to come into my life. I've never asked him to sit in the throne of my life. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else? After you've raised your hand, you can lower it. Anyone else? I'm looking around. Anyone else? I want to pray for you. Yes, I see. Yes. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, over there too. Your Heavenly Father loves you so much. He loves you so much. In fact, this is the greatest thing that could happen today, greater than snow cones and inflatables and confetti. You choosing to receive the grace of God is the most important thing. I'm going to ask all over this room, if you, if you would pray with me, and here's what I want you to know. This, I don't want you to feel like this is some kind of formula prayer, that you've got to get every single word just right. It's, it's meaning this in our hearts, but, but there's something about speaking this out loud. So whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't, would you join me in praying this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I confess I have sinned against you. I've made a mess. I've tried to do enough good, but I understand it's not enough. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe he is your son that he has made the way for my forgiveness. I receive your grace. I receive your grace. Sit in the throne of my life. Be the master and the leader of my life. Empower me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, that's awesome. That is so, that's why journey. Can we just give God a praise offering and thank him? This is why we exist. This is why we built this place. Because we want people to experience the grace of God. Because God's grace is pretty grand, isn't it? Hey, if you raise your hand, I want to encourage you to do a couple things. First of all, we, we talked about the connection cards earlier in the service. There's a place right at the bottom of that connection uh, card that says, My Next Step. And uh, will you just let us know by checking one of those boxes there? Maybe you're starting a relationship with Jesus. Maybe for you, it's reaffirming something that God has done. Uh, thank, you, thank you for doing that. At the end of the service, we're going to have people back in the lobby with white buckets. And you can stick those connection cards in the buckets as you leave. Just appreciate you doing that. Second thing I would encourage you to do, if you raised your hand, at the end of our service, we have some prayer partners. They're going to be available on both sides of this platform. Listen, as everybody else is leaving, they're all, you know, trying to get out so they can get their snow cone or whatever. Would you, would you come up and allow one of these prayer partners to pray with you? Can I tell you, you will make their day. They will, they will love you. They will pray for you. They have some next steps in a, in a free little, just small little book uh, for you that helps explain uh, what, what the decision is that you made this morning. So thank you for doing that. Here's, here's one final challenge for you. 
Here's a challenge for everybody in the room, regardless of where you are at in life. When we look at the grace that God has extended to us, it is so important that we extend the same grace to others. So there's a final question in your notes there. It basically says this, who owes you something? Who has hurt you? How can you extend God's grace to that person? Listen, I'm not saying that you need to start trusting the person. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Aren't you glad for that? I'm not saying you need to trust. I'm not even saying that you need to, you know, bring them back into your life and into your family. But maybe there's someone in your life who, who has hurt you and you've been holding on to that grudge. You've been holding on to that anger. Who do you need to release this morning? Who do you need to just say, I cancel their debt? They don't owe me. If they never ask for my forgiveness, I cancel their debt. Who do you need to let go? Who do you need to forgive? Listen, we forgive others just as God has forgiven us. As God has extended grace to us, we extend grace to others. And so, in fact, the most forgiving people in this world are the people who are most aware of how much God has forgiven them. So I want to challenge you with that thought as we get ready to go. Hey, a couple things. Uh, I would encourage you, come back next week. I'm starting a series that I've been so excited about. It's called Choosing Breakthrough. And it's going to be a seven-week series where we're going to look at seven choices to make to experience breakthrough in our lives. They're subsequent, they all build on each other, so you definitely want to be here next week for the first choice, and then the second choice will build upon that. And so I, I just really hope that you can go back. We'll be back at our normal service times, 8.30 and 10.15. Along with the Choosing Breakthrough series, we're doing small groups. And so if you've led a small group in the past and you're interested in leading a group, we have all the stuff is is built in for you, video clips and all that are ready for you. If you would like to, to lead a life group during these seven weeks, we just on the back of your connection card write lead life group. And you can do it from your home. We have places in the church where you can do it. In fact, now we've got all kinds of places in the church where you can do it. And so if, you, if you're interested in leading a life group, please let us know. We've been, we've been really challenged. A lot of our Life group leaders, and, and there's no judgment here, but a lot have said, hey, I'm just not comfortable right now with the uptick of COVID. I don't necessarily want people in my home right now. For, so we understand that. We bless you. We love you. But if you'd be interested in leading a life group, man, just let us know. And then finally, I would just encourage you, if you haven't already, follow Journey on uh, Facebook and on Instagram. We're going to continue the conversation this morning, this week, on those places, and so that is helpful. 